This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. As we continue on in our lives, we're going to blow it. We're going to mess up all the time. That's why John wrote in his first letter, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, this is called the Christian bar soap. It says this, if we confess our sins, we, we, Christians, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you continue to sin, you'll be forgiven. Now there are consequences, right? There is no possible way to live a life without sinning, making bad choices, or messing up. Now that could sound really disheartening if you didn't know that the Lord sent His Son to wipe away all those sins for you. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will share with you the joy and hope that is Jesus Christ's forgiveness. God knew we wouldn't be able to live sin-free lives. So if we confess our sins, the Father will be faithful and just. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 11 as he continues his message to just live by faith. Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off that I may be grafted in. Yeah, they've been broken off. Now I'm grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief. Unbelief. Because of unbelief, they've been broken off this tree. They were broken off. And you stand by what? Faith. Do not be hoardy, but fear. Oh, why should I fear? Here's the reason why. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the children of Israel, because of unbelief, he may not spare you either. (gasps) Once saved, always saved. Okay, here we go. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God of those who fall severity, but towards you, goodness. You continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Unbelief. They've been grafted in. But what can tell you, that's what happened with the children of Israel. That was the other warning of unbelief. That's why there's one, don't drift away. You know, I've known people that gave their lives to they cried, they've been part of the worship team, and then I hear them on the phone, I don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord anymore. You know, you can't, well, Jesus won't save, always save. But say, oh, you know, Lord, okay, I confessed, I lived my life, I read my Bible, I was filled with the Holy Spirit once enlightened. But Lord, because you're drifting away, I I don't believe you anymore. I just don't want to believe that anymore. I don't believe you. That's it. What do you think God's going to say? I'm sorry. You stuck with me. Once saved, always saved. Then that's that's not free will, you see. If that's the case, why didn't God force man from the very beginning? He created four free will moral agents. When you gave your life to the Lord, it was you by your free will said, I repent. I now surrender my life. Now I'm born again because I believe I choose to change my life and I believe. At that moment, free will was never taken away from you. Why do you keep doing the things you're doing? When you know what Paul says, the things that I should be doing, I just don't do. And the things that I'm not supposed to do, I do it. Oh, this wretched man, right? 
So just to get that out of the way, that wasn't in my notes, but I just felt it was the need to do it. Anyway, this illumination, we have this word here, you know, right? Illuminated, here we see in verse 32, and the word that we just saw in verse, in chapter 6, verse 4, it was enlightened. Both these words, illuminated and light, is the Greek word for, to, for tizo. It's the same word. Both is the same word in the Greek. It means to be enlightened, to give light, to shine, to, to understand for those of you who have the strong concordance, that's why I put the G5461. If you want to search it for yourself in the strong concordance, that is the definition of the word. They've been enlightened. They've been illuminated. So this passage is referring to those that have been enlightened, who have been illuminated by having received the knowledge truth. They have received the, the gospel truth. They understand that Jesus Christ is the only way. And so they lack nothing intellectually they lack nothing when it comes to the word of god about truth the only sacrifice through jesus christ now this is important this is important because with this in mind you're probably thinking wait a minute we're talking about willful sin what about me i'm not in apostate i'm not leaving jesus but there are sins that i myself you know i have a weakness in and yes sometimes i just deliberately do it you know, you're, you, if you know it's wrong, then that's a good thing. The bottom line is when you don't think it's wrong. <laughs> because that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Say, so you know, it's just wrong. But you have a, every, all have, a lot of people have weaknesses. Okay? But that doesn't mean that you're walking away from God. There's a difference. Because are we perfect? No, we're not. Are we better than sinners? No, we're better off because we do have Christ. So we sin as believers. I'm trying to do my best to serve and honor God, but I sin and I sin over and over and over again. This is not, does not apply to you. We're going to see furthermore evidence that does not apply to you. The believer who wants to continue in their faith, who believe in Jesus Christ is the only way. This is not referring to the believer who continues sin deliberately to say that there comes a point where God's going to cut you off. Just look at that theologically for a minute. Just think about that. Ponder that. I'm not talking about those who are walking away from the Lord. No longer believe. I'm talking about those who are in their faith in Christ. And yet we always sin. We fail all the time. And, you know, it's different with the unbeliever that is. But you as a believer. As a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, we're forgiven. The ones that walk away. The ones that actually be cut off when God says no more are the unbelievers, the unbelievers who reject Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. You, you come across, it's sadly I've come across quite a few of those. That for years you share the gospel, they don't want to hear it. They don't believe in that. You could share oh, everything. Oh man, you could share some amazing things scripturally to prove that there is God. Not that we're to prove God, but show him in the word that there is the only way, there is a heaven, there is a God. And there's come the point where, just like Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. Now, when God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it wasn't because um, God made it, you know, change his will, his, his way of thinking. No, the Greek, the Hebrew word, the Lord already told uh, Moses before he went to, after uh, Israel, he went to deliver them. Uh, the Lord told Moses, listen, he's going to harden his heart. I'm telling you right now. And so it happened. 
Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then at the end, God said, I hardened his heart. In other words, he confirmed his decision because he continually hardened his heart. And only God knows when God says, that's it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. The Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. And that was before the flood. And that's what brought the flood. It, it, it didn't, you know, God, they, re, they knew of God, they heard of God, but they refused. Those that don't believe who reject the only way of salvation, after a while, God's going to say, enough is enough. But you, the believer, you continue on. It's not referring to the believer. Because Jesus, when he was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. This is the point. He said, it is finished. Tell us that. He didn't say, well, okay, I paid for your sins up to this point. And you run out of it, and I can't, I, I, I'm not prepared to pay for them any further. Does that make sense? No. Jesus said, okay, I paid for your sins. All right, it is finished. But listen, save your sins for a rainy day. Because my, is to say that the effect of the cross, it, it has no effect. It's only limited. It's only limited. You sinned enough, that's it. So it doesn't apply to you. It doesn't apply to one who wants to remain in their faith and continue in the faith. That's the point, to continue on. And, and, and as we continue on in our lives, we're going to blow it. We're going to mess up all the time. That's why John wrote in his first letter, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, this is called the Christian bar soap. It says this, if we confess our sins, he's we, we, Christians, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you continue to sin, you'll be forgiven. Now there are consequences, right? There are consequences. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, Paul writes this. He says, do not be deceived. God is not marked, mocked for whatever a man sows that he will reap. For if he sows in the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. You'll be forgiven, but there are consequences if you continue on. You see, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sinning that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live live any longer in it? And so, the writer is not referring to a believer who willfully sins or sins continually. Because you're still in the body. What he is referring to is those who continue sin willfully. Now, let's look at the text. Remember, context is king. When you read this passage, do not just take one verse and apply it to everything. Read it. Read it from the, 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 the whole chapter. Read the chapter before. Read the chapter after. Read the ch- If it's in chapter 2, read chapter 1 and chapter 3. Get the whole context. Don't take one verse and make it fit to everything. That's not the way you study the word of God. Now, we're going to see in context here. Remember, the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew for the Hebrews. Understand? And what was he saying for the past 10 chapters? Jesus is better. He's looking at it from a Jewish perspective. These Jews were being persecuted. They wanted to go back. They want to go back to the sacrifice of animals. They want to go back to the priest. They want to go back to the temple. Why? Because of persecution. They wanted to go back to Judaism. After they discovered that Jesus fulfilled the promise. He is the promised Messiah. He is the only way. All that was a shadow. The Lord said, I will give him a new covenant. 
right? He's writing to Hebrews. He's a Hebrew writing to Hebrews, right? And in the context of sin here, the sin here, the willful sin, uh, is the, the sin that he's talking about in context is to willfully and permanently return to the old system of sacrifice of Judaism. That's what he's talking about. He's talking to Jewish believers who wanted to willfully sin, continue to sin by going, by rejecting the only work of the cross to go back to animal sacrifice. That is what he's talking about here. Those who sin willfully, having the knowledge of truth, knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only sacrifice for the remission of sin, if they deliberately, continually go into the old system, then it is what they call apostasia, an apostate. Therefore, at the end of verse 26, it says, look at the end of verse 26, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins because they already know the truth about sacrifices. They know Jesus the only way. In other words, it is literally turning your back against God and the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God because they have rejected the true and only sacrifice, Jesus Christ. That's an apostasy right there. Apostasy from faith would be such a willful act and for those who commit it, no longer a sacrifice is left for them. And this is important because in context, it's talking to Jews who wanted to go back to the sacrifice. So how is this applicable for you and I? Well, in the same way, some people could walk away from their faith. They could say, well, I don't believe in and I don't need the sacrifice. I don't need Jesus anymore. Right? In the same way, the Jews who heard of Jesus, they were illuminated, they had the truth, but now they want to go back to the sacrifice of lambs. Gentiles, who probably never practiced Judaism, they say, well, I found a better way. I want my own way. You see, it's in the same way. And having received the faith, having already been illuminated, that is apostasy. Now, let's look at this word apostasy, apostasia. It, you, you're probably looking your Bibles and you won't find the word apostasy in your English translation, okay? Because it's in the Greek. And it's, it's mentioned twice, actually three times in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, is a form of apostasy. But the apostasy that we're talking about is only mentioned twice in the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and Acts chapter 21, verse 21. And in the words are falling away, falling away, that is, and forsake. These are the two words. It's apostasia. It's the same word. So you see the English words falling away, or you see the English word forsake. They're all one of the same word in the Greek, apostasia. It means, to, it means rebellion, falling away. It means abandonment. Why is that in your Bible? Because it's possible. So the doctrine or that little cliche, once saved, always saved. It tells you right there that it's apostasy, rebellion, falling away. Why is it in the Bible? And so, that is the warning here. Is The warning is apostasy. Those who knew the truth, but now, because they drifted away, because if you look at the five warnings in the book of Hebrews, there's a buildup here. You drift away. What happens when you drift away? It's like, a, you know, it's a nautical, you know, image there of a ship just, you know, it's not anchored Right? It just drifts away. Right? Unbelief. And he, what did he, the, the right of Hebrew gave us the, the warning of unbelief. The children of Israel, 
They didn't believe they never made it to the promised land. They had to wander in the, in the desert for 40 years, right? Until that generation who did not have faith died off. And that's what happened. And then the spiritual immaturity and the dangers of that. Now we look at apostasy, those who have fallen away. So that's the warning here. That is the warning. Now back to Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 27. Going on with that thought there. It says, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. There is no way to, there is no other sacrifice. He says, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour, that word devour means consumed completely the adversary. You know, before you were saved, you were an enemy of God. You were enemy of God before you were saved. Whether you say, well, I didn't say. Well, because you denied him. You're either a friend or foe. You know, not a friend of me. You know, we have a lot of those. You know, you're a friend or foe. And for those who have turned away after receiving the knowledge of the truth, Jesus Christ, there is a certain fearful expectation of judgment, fire and indignation. And the judgment of God is certain and inescapable. <laughs> inescapable. People may get away with murder and literally get away with murder, but they're not going to get away with the judgment of God. God sees all things in Revelation that said he has the eyes of a fire. And it's not that you get an artist that will start drawing Jesus with eyes of fire. It just means that everything he sees and fires judgment, he's going to judge everything he sees with his eyes. And God sees everything. Can you imagine all that God sees every day? Judgment of God is certain. And that, that we can see here in verse 27, it is certain and is inescapable. You're either with Christ or against Christ. If you're against Christ, you're an adversary, you're an enemy. God knows how to judge. He's perfect. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter writes this, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve unjust, the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And that's the judgment that's going to finally take place in the millennial, uh, the millennial reign of Christ, where he'll rule and reign for a thousand years. Right now, nobody's in hell. <laughs> you know, they're going to be a hell once we get to Revelation after the great tribulation, after the church's rapture, after the great tribulation, and then there's a judgment. And we're going to see who's going to be put in the lake of fire first. It's going to be the first and second uh, false prophet, you know, the, the, Antichrist, you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then, those that will be judged by the books. If your name is not written in the book of life, fiery, you know, judgment. I know there's not a popular sermon. (laughs) Hey, come to church, get motivated. Uh, I think not. (laughs) Okay? But we need to know the truth. We need to know our Bibles. Verse 28, it says, anyone who has rejected Moses, now he's going to give, he's going to show, because these people are Jews, they're Hebrews, right? They just gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And they're attempting to go back, but he's going back to say, hey, listen, let's compare this. He said in verse 20, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, the writer is writing, is the writer of Hebrews, writing to Hebrews, and, and, and he's saying, going back in Judaism, you know that uh, full well that the judgment of those who went against the law, they will be stoned to death. And it wasn't a trial by 12, right? It was two or three witnesses. That's all you needed. <laughs> hey, Menachem, did you see him? Oh, yeah. Hey, Saul, come over here. Did you see? Yeah, time to stone him to death. That's how it was. 
two witnesses. If they break that law, that's in Deuteronomy chapter 17, if you want to study that. And so, with the old covenant, the law, there was no mercy. They were judged without mercy. Notice that. Notice they were judged without mercy. But I am so grateful that we don't have to live by the law. I'm grateful because of Jesus Christ. It is no longer the law. It is grace. It is grace. It is the law, the amazing grace of God. Look at verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be, will he be thought worthy? Who, speaking of the apostate, he's speaking of the apostate, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he, that's the apostate, was sanctified. So they were Christian. They were illuminated, they sanctified. They had the truth. To consider what? A common thing. Trample. The Son of God underfoot, and consider the sacrifice that He has done a common thing, and insult the Spirit of grace. I mean, this is serious. From one to having the truth, walk in truth, been enlightened, been sanctified, and now to go back, go back to the temple, go back to the shadow. It is a very dangerous thing to view the blood of Jesus Christ as a common thing. A common thing. Here he says to trample the Son of God on the foot. And it goes further. He ends in verse 29. This is a lot. This is serious stuff here in verse 29. And he said, and insult the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. Do you understand all the work the Holy Spirit has done to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world? Do you understand the work of the Holy Spirit had to do uh, in order to bring salvation and to insult the Holy Spirit? Apparently, what it appears here, there is greater punishment for those who've been once enlightened and have rejected. And God knows the heart. It's not for us to judge. Well, I think that person rejects God. Don't ever put yourself. That is a dangerous thing to do. To say whether a person is going to heaven or hell. That is not your place. You may witness the person being evil, but that person, you'd be surprised. They may have repented and they'd be in the presence of the Lord. You'd be surprised you're going to find heaven. One can reject Jesus till their deathbed, but in their very last breath can repent to be born again and in the presence of God. Never judge it. That's what Jesus said. Hey, don't judge. Righteous judgment by knowing the wolves, okay? Righteous by knowing their fruit. But to know where the person in their heart, you can't see in the person's heart. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. 
If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.